Lauren's just having a, a good time. You okay? HSAs are very entertaining. <laughs> What's wrong? She was asking questions but not answering them. So. <laughs> I, I was about to. I was happy when you went back to answer the question you asked. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Today's show, mysteries, myths, misconceptions of Medicare. Another M word. Magical. Monkey. Merkel. 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 We have Lauren Merkel with us in the podcast today, of course. He is a certified financial planner. And Anna Marie Morrow. She's the director of Medicare. And I promise I won't accentuate every single M, but I'm going to do it a little bit because we're talking about Medicare today, the big M word uh, in this podcast. But I want to go back. Okay. Three out of the four of us in this room are children of the 80s. And <laughs> do you guys... <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, her singling me barely out. Made it. You no, like we were in school in the eighties. We were in yeah. elementary oh, school. Three of the four of us were kind of yeah. I was born actually technically in the seventies, the yeah. latter part of the seventies. Yeah. But children of the eighties, like we grew up, we were in elementary school in the eighties. And Anna Marie, I know that you were not educated in the Midwest. You in the eighties, where were you at? Uh, the eighties, I was on the East coast, West coast, and then overseas. Okay. So I don't know what they were doing in the East coast, West coast or overseas <laughs> in the eighties, but Merkel stay with me here. The letter people of the eighties. Yes. Mr. M with the munching mouth. He likes to munch. You remember that? No, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> but, but I do remember the blow up letters in kindergarten. That's how we learned our letters. Our yes. Alphabet. We had Mr. H with the horrible hair. F with the funny feet, J with the jumble junk. I'm so sad I didn't get educated in the Midwest. In <laughs> the, the consonants 80s. were boy letters and the vowels were girl letters. Rochelle, tell me they still had that. Nope, nope, we did not do any of that. So <laughs> 10 years later, when Rochelle got into elementary school, there were no letter people? Nope. <sighs> well, I had fun looking back today and remembering the letter people, and I was remembering the letter person M. That's amazing. <laughs> so today, the the word, the letter of the day, it's like we're back in school, guys. The letter of the day is M, and M is for Medicare. And also, letters are a big part of Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Molly. I like it. Another like M. It. <laughs> Another M, Molly. Molly and Medicare and M's. I'm like the teacher today, you guys. Um Oh, awesome. I lost my train of thought. We're, we're, back ta we're talking about Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know that this show's about Medicare. <laughs> okay, M is the letter of the day because we're talking about letters. But I actually looked up letters because Medicare, Anna Marie, has all these letters behind it. It sure does. And to me, that's one of the most confusing parts of Medicare. So what we want to do today is break down the myths, the mysteries, the misconceptions of Medicare. And we'll get to those letters. First, let's just talk about the reason it's so important important to get this all straight. I mean, you focus most of your day, five, six days a week, you're working hours on Medicare because there is so much to learn and so much to know about this important election. Yes, absolutely. Every situation is different. Uh, it is not cookie cutter for any one person. Rules are changing every year. So it's, it's fun. I love it. It's like putting together puzzle pieces and I get to know people, um, 
really well on one-on-one and I just, I have a blast doing it and there's a lot constantly changing and it's fun to see the strategies and how it can be influenced by different retirement plans and how it can tie into income planning and tax planning. And it's just really fun to be a part of. And Lauren, I think what sets Merkle Retirement Planning apart from maybe some of the other people that do this same kind of work is that there is a dedicated team member to this Medicare piece. Why is it so important for you as a certified financial planner to to have this person on your team? As we have these conversations about people's retirement planning, they're often going to go to, these conversations are often going to go to the Medicare conversation because it is such a daunting task to try to figure out all the moving parts that's associated with Medicare. So it is absolutely integral to our process to making sure we develop the best retirement plans possible for the families that we work with to have an expert on our team who understands all the nuances of Medicare. And then we can incorporate that into their other retirement plan. If we had an outside expert come in, which we did for a period of time, then it wasn't as easy to incorporate that into the plan. So all of these moving parts do impact each other. The decisions that they make on their tax planning will or can impact what they do from a Medicare standpoint or a healthcare standpoint. So the communication lines are much better if it's in-house and Anne-Marie does a great job with not only communicating with our families, the different options that they have, but then incorporating it into the other components of their plan as well. So the good news is if you meet with Anna Marie, she will break down the mysteries, myths and misconceptions for you, but we're also going to do it today in this podcast as well. So let's start first with the election period. Let's talk about penalties, Anna Marie. Do I have to elect Medicare A and B when I turn 65 to avoid penalties? This is a great question because I feel like this is probably um, the biggest situation that people are faced with. Everyone thinks that you know their only election period could be the initial election period, which is when they turn 65, because right before they turn 65, around that age, they're getting inundated with all this mail and phone calls and texts about you know penalties that they could incur and... And it's, it's pretty intimidating. And they're, and when you Google different rules and election periods, there's just different con- contradicting information out there. So you, yeah, your initial enrollment period is age 65, but if you're still working or you're on your spouse's insurance plan, you can, you can delay that. You can wait and elect when you're 66, 67. It's just an extra form that you'll have your employer fill out to verify your coverage. Um, so really that, that penalty, you know, there, there are ways to, to avoid that penalties, but you just want to make sure that you have your, your plan in place. If you know that you're going to elect Medicare at the age of 65 or the age of 67, you kind of want to start thinking about it a a year or two in advance because your income planning will dictate what your premiums are going to be at what age. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to think about, but it's also great to just have a planner on your side to let you know what those rules are, what forms you might need and what kind of, um, just things to keep in mind. Anne-Marie, let's talk about electing. Is the process pretty simple? Are there several options or ways I can elect? Yeah, there are different options, ways to elect. Uh, with uh, COVID and coronavirus happening right now, um, going in person is not an option. Um, everyone's working from home, but you can elect online. You can fax in paperwork. You can call in. So yeah, there are definitely uh, options available. I do like the online option. Uh, nowadays, everything seems to just be taking a wee bit longer. Um, So getting online, either creating your account, that way you can 
keep tabs and see your benefit verification letter come through online. You can see if it's being processed. Uh, you can get your Medicare member number sooner than waiting for your cards in the mail. So I highly recommend going online to do it. But if not, you know, calling over, they'll schedule you an appointment over the phone. That works great too. So yeah, there are a number of great options out there. And Lauren, going online is a little tricky though, because you do have to go through the social security administration's website, but you don't also elect social security or have to elect social security at that time. There's not a medicare.gov website. You go through the ssa.gov website, which can be tricky. And, and, uh, that reminds me of Anna Marie, you and I had a conversation just last week with a gentleman, one, one of the families we work with, and he was telling us how confusing the website is because he was on the Medicare portal through the SSA.gov. And he said he read one paragraph and then he read another paragraph and it completely was different based on the same topic. And it was all about what the premiums for the Medicare part B was. So this is, this is what people are facing is, and this is just Medicare. So we're today on today's show, we're isolating this Medicare issue, but think about the, the normal pre-retiree making the transition to retirement this is just one of those things they have to address. They still have to address their social security strategies of all the 81 different options. What are they going to do with their investments? How are they going to deliver this income? So then, as Anna Marie mentioned, when they're age 64, a year prior to being able to elect, they start getting bombarded with all this collateral information, whether it's from the, from the email sources or text messages or phone calls or, or through their uh, mail. They get all this information. Now it's incumbent upon them to sort that out in the midst of the fog of all these other decisions that they have to make. Mm -hmm. And that makes it extremely challenging as well. And then they fight through the mess of, of maybe some misinformation or maybe something that's misinterpreted. It just makes it extremely difficult. And that's, that's why for our families, we will file for them. We'll file for their Medicare. We'll file for their Social Security. If they're filing for both of those at the same time, we can do it at the same time. It's much easier for Anna Marie. It's much easier for us because we do this every single day as opposed to one time throughout the course of your life. Another mystery, myth, or misconception that you've sleuthed out, Anna Marie Morrow, is the price. I mean, the first thing when you Google what will Medicare cost me, I think that that number that comes up is that is it that 458 or is it the 144 i mean those are the two numbers i saw when i just did it this morning but those can be misleading you went to two extremes didn't you You went both sides it's 144 or 458 well those are the two numbers i mean i just did a quick search as people might as they're getting close to that age and those were the two numbers that popped out the most i suppose those are associated with different letters of this medicare alphabet uh those are all associated with medicare part b and you have both sides of the spectrum so you caught them both which is a good thing. Well, and then when I Googled it the other day, I got the part A and then $1,400. So you're right. You'll see different prices every time you Google. I guess it's whatever's trending. But what's interesting, so that's why we get into the supplement conversation. Because when you do Google what does Medicare cost, you'll see that you know part A premium, that part A deductible, and then part B deductible and part B premium. But they're predicated on your work situation, how many years you've worked, and your income ranges from years previous. So that's where the planning comes into play. But if you've worked the the 40 quarters or 10 years, you've paid for Part A. So you're not going to have a premium there. There is a deductible for Part A. That's one of the gaps that we hear about that's in Original Medicare. 
And then with part B, you've got your premium and that is dependent upon what you've claimed for income two years earlier. So earlier this year, uh, you know, the, the big buzz around, uh, the beginning of 2020 was that the part B premium increased from 2019. So we all heard this new number of $144 and 60 cents. So I have this, uh, this single woman come in. Uh, she was all excited to finally be able to elect Medicare, get, a, get on a great supplement expecting her she you know she knew her part b, b premium was going to be the 14460 well she ended up having to pay over $400 for her part b premium she wasn't aware that there was this irma calculated in your income related monthly adjustment amount which is based off of what you claim for income 2 years earlier so it just skyrocketed to that that higher price and you know she could afford it at the time but that look on her face that sticker shock that is not something I don't think anyone enjoys so that really that that's why it's really important to start looking a couple years ahead if you can to to figure out when you'd like to make that election and just being prepared for what the costs may be and also as the person who's on the financial planning side of that, Lauren, then you work together with Anna Marie Morrow, you can start doing some things maybe two to three years before electing Medicare to at least be prepared for that mm -hmm. or look at that earned income and what adjustments can be made. Yeah, when we look at what kind of, and, and, and we see this a lot with the tax planning strategies that we implement, because oftentimes some of the tax planning strategies that we implement are going to cost them more in taxes in that year. Well, if they're within two years of filing for Medicare, then what we do from a tax planning standpoint could impact how much they're going to pay from a, a Part B uh, Medicare Part B standpoint. So it's part of the, the assessment when we determine what it is that we want to do. But if they're 60 and they still have five years left before they're turning, uh, before they're eligible for Medicare, then we might want to increase what we're trying to do from a tax planning standpoint for that next three years. So it's not going to, not going to negatively impact what their me Medicare Part B premiums are as well. So there's a lot that goes into it. All of this needs to be communicated to the families. And we do communicate this to the families that we work with because it helps them make the decisions. And, and for them, once they see the information presented to them and they say, here's Here's their options. Here's option A. Here's the good and here's the bad that goes with option A. Here's option B. Here's the good. Here's the bad short term and long term for both of them. Then for them, it becomes much easier to make these important permanent decisions that they're going to have to make. We're tackling the myths, mysteries, and misconceptions of Medicare today with Anne-Marie Morrow, the director of Medicare at Merkel Retirement Planning. And there's a lot of misconceptions, Anne-Marie, when it comes to Medicare and health savings accounts. Let's go over the misconceptions first and then break down what's the reality. Yeah, health savings account are, they're wonderful. We're a big fan. There's actually uh, an episode we did, The Power of the HSA. We labeled it as a superhero because it really is a great tool going into retirement. So with that, there's a lot of questions. We get a lot of misconceptions. And I think just the overall misconception is just what are the eligibility requirements to not just create, like have your HSA, but also how long until, you know, how long can I keep making contributions into retirement? Uh, the the first question I always get asked is, can if, if I'm self-employed, can I have an HSA account? And the answer there is yes. Yeah, eligibility requirements, and you can find this on irs.gov, is you must be covered under a high deductible health plan, have no other health care coverage, and you aren't enrolled in Medicare, and you can't be claimed as a dependent. So it's pretty straightforward. It's 
pretty simple. Um, so yeah, if you're self-employed, you can absolutely have an HSA and make contributions. Um, there are limits with HSAs, how much you can contribute every year. And then once you get into the age of Medicare, so this is where there's some real fine print with HSAs. So if you're in your initial election period, you're turning 65, your contributions need to stop when you elect Medicare your 65th birthday month. Anything uh, contributed after that, you wouldn't um, have the uh, tax benefits that you would previous. So you want to make sure those contributions stop when you turn 65 and you're electing Medicare. Now, let's say that you're not electing Medicare at the age of 65. You're turning 67, 68, whenever you're planning to retire. So this is where the fine print gets pretty interesting. So your contributions need to stop six months previous because your Medicare A, after you turn 65, goes retroactive six months. But it's not six months from when your Medicare A and B or your Medicare B starts. It's six months prior to the date you actually make your application request. Like you put in your application, you want your Medicare B to start this month because your A goes backwards from the month you apply. So let's say you want your uh, Medicare B to start in September. And so you put in that request three months prior to that. Well, six months prior to that three months, so you're looking at probably nine months. This is a lot of math. (laughs) That's when you want to make sure your contributions stop. So there's some real fine print (laughs) that goes in but the- I need to like have a chalkboard. Yeah, no, I mean you did wonderful on the math. That was that was good work. What but there's probably some people out there listening who just realized they're making contributions and they probably should not be based on that math that you just explained. Right. So what if for the people out there who are making contributions just came to the realization they shouldn't be, what can they do now? So as long as you get this done before you file your next taxes, you'll just need to take out uh, the contributions that you made. And also if it's invested, you'll also want to remove any gains uh, to avoid any back back taxes or penalties. And there is just simple forms you can fill out. Um, Yeah, it's a pretty simple process. But the importance is they need to take out the excess contributions and then the gains. Correct. That's the most important part. Correct. Before they file uh, their next year's tax. Yeah. Yep. Good. Anna Marie has been talking about the health savings account or the HSA. And I don't want to gloss over that because it's a really important uh, point that we want to make. We've done a whole TV show on it. We've done a podcast on it. We call it one of the superheroes that can supercharge your retirement. So go to YouTube, search Merkel Retirement Planning. You can look for the television show uh, that we did on it. And Lauren, why do we call it a superhero? We call it a superhero because the superpowers that it possesses are like no, none other when we when we look at the different options people have to save money for healthcare expenses. What I mean by that is the contributions that go in are tax deductible, which means they're not paying taxes on those. The, the money grows tax-free, and if you take it out and pay for a qualified medical expense, then those distributions come out tax-free. So it's a triple power tax benefits that really makes this superhero so special. So these letters, they do go behind Medicare. There's part A, there's part B, but then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And I got to think that that's one of the big mysteries, misconceptions, and myths of Medicare. Yes, those letters. So like I mentioned earlier, with A and B, when you Google the costs, you'll see those big costs of the Part A deductible, $1,400. And then if you look at what A and B covers, the hospital and the doctors, you're only covered up to a certain number of, let's say, days in the hospital. 
And then you're responsible for 100% of that. There's no deductible. There's no out-of-pocket maximum. So that's where these letters come into play with traditional uh, a traditional supplement, otherwise known as Medigap. You've got your um, Part D drug card. You've heard of Plan F, Plan G, Plan N, all these great letters. Um, so they fill in those gaps that we see and hear about in, um, in original Medicare of A and B. So the, the biggest thing that we're faced with these days is the introduction of the Advantage, the Medicare Advantage plans, otherwise known as managed care. And so I always hear, well, what's the catch with these? Because nowadays we're seeing these Advantage plans with no premium or very low premiums and then all these extra bells and whistles of gym memberships and and things of that nature. So that's that's the biggest misconception as well. Is this real? Like, how can this be a thing? Where do they get their funding from? That's That's not, you know legit. Um, but what's interesting is Medicare Advantage plans, all these payments that we're paying into all these years for Medicare A, and as you continue to pay your, your Medicare B premium, they're actually, the government is actually using those funds to subsidize these Advantage plans. So they're getting funded from the government, which allows Medicare to monitor and make sure that you are getting the same or better care as you would a traditional supplement route. So that's how they can afford these bells and whistles. And everyone loves these plans. It's saving billions of dollars in fraud, waste, and abuse that we see with traditional supplements because traditional supplements, those letters, it's an open network. You have unlimited care. You can, you know, get the care you need. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest misconception I hear is, well, what's the deal with these Advantage plans? What is this? Why is this so you know, such a, a great benefit. What There's got to be like some kind of trick to it. So if I'm getting all this information in the mail and I'm seeing these supplements, so I'm seeing these letters, how do I know if it's one that's subsidized by the government or if it is one of these private carriers who may or may not have a, a good product for me? So advantage, if they're marking themselves as an advantage plan or traditional supplement, they are being regulated by the government. Okay. That is, yeah, that's how they're getting their funding. You, yeah, whether, whatever the, whoever the carrier is, they have to have a certain star rating to show you what kind of, um, level of customer service they're providing and information they're providing. But again, that's why it's probably good to have, you know, an agent on hand, a planner on hand to make sure that this is what works for you. Because another thing I constantly hear is, well, I know so-and-so, a friend of mine is on this plan and she's getting this or not paying that, or this is how much that costs. Well, it does vary by county. It does not vary by state. So you really also need to make sure that whatever county you're in, you're getting the best option for your situation. Because it could be completely different from someone who's just in the next county next to you that's a family member or a best friend. And when you say it, do you mean the coverage, the cost, all those things are regulated by county? And, and, and that's something the federal government dictates that the counties? Well, the, the plans. So the, the government dictates the plans, the okay. carriers and the plans. And the plans just vary between each county. Switching plans, Anna-Marie, a lot of mysteries, misconceptions, and myths surrounding that. Yes, I hear all the time, well, can I just switch back and forth? Like, Advantage plans are great. They have this, you know, low, if any, premium. But then I also like the security of the traditional supplement route where, you know, I have the premium, but I can go as many times I need, as I need to if I'm having a health catastrophic catastrophic event, can't I just bounce back and forth? The answer is no. This is so important. I, I just, yeah, I can't make this more clear. So 
if you want to start off at a advantage plan because you're young, you hardly go to the doctor, you're feeling pretty confident that, you know, you won't need to pay your out-of-pocket max, whatever that might be for the year. But then a few years go by and you start feel feeling like, okay, well maybe, you know, it's starting to increase how many times I need to go see my health is declining. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, maybe I should look at switching to a traditional supplement and just have that security. Well, this is very important. If you remember nothing else I say today, just please keep this in mind. If you do want to switch to a traditional supplement after you have been on an advantage plan for more than one year, you have to be underwritten, meaning you have to be able to answer health-related questions. So if you wait to where you've had a catastrophic health event, you might not be able to switch to that traditional plan. So what, what I like to do, what I like to just let people know if they're really just excited about this Advantage plan, I just like to follow up with them within like maybe six months because you can try it out for up to 12 months and see if it's a good fit make sure you're comfortable. So I like to just check in at that six months period, make sure, you know, they're, they're not up all night worried, but that they're comfortable and they just like how it's going. And then, um, and then make a decision from there. So obviously prescriptions, a big piece of the puzzle for people as they're trying to pay for those as they move to and through retirement. So how does this work with Medicare? Yes. So part D, that is the letter that we hear of, uh, pertaining to your prescription drugs. If you go the traditional, Medigap supplement route. And a lot of people that, uh, that take the traditional supplement route, they are not aware that part D also has an Irma attached to it. So just like your part B, it's dependent on what you claim for income two years previously. So that's just something also to take into consideration, just not just your part B, but also your part D could increase as well based off of income. And also, uh, another huge misconception is do I, I don't take medication. I'm not on anything. I'm healthy. So I'm just going to do the traditional supplement plan G for example, and not worry about my part D. Well, that's fine. You do have that option. Just be prepared for a penalty. If a few years down the road, you're starting to take medications that are prescribed, you can be held liable for a penalty, which is 1% of every month you go without a Part D drug card. So that's an also very important note to take away. Um, and then on the flip side, let's say you're not going the Medigap traditional supplement route, you are looking at that Advantage plan. Do I need to purchase a drug card with that? Well, another great thing about these Advantage plans, the drug cards are built into them where there's no deductible. Uh, we just need to make sure that the medication you're on is part of the drug formulary attached with that plan. And I know the listeners want to know a D letter people, delicious donuts. Oh, we have those here, by the way. Today. Yep. <laughs> so Anne Marie, someone listening is getting close to Medicare eligibility age. Is there anything they should be doing in that time period leading up to 65? Yeah, just take a look. Be prepared. If, if you, uh, if, if you haven't, if this is all new information for you, make sure you just kind of take a look at what you claim for income two years previously. And as soon as you know that date that you want your Medicare to start, it's a great idea to sit down with someone maybe four or five months in advance, just so you can see what your options are for that year. Cause you'll really want to start the election process 
at that three-month, 90-day uh, window before you want your election date to start. Because, um, you know, it can take four, six, eight weeks to actually get your Medicare member number to where then you can choose what supplement plan uh, you'd like to be on. And that way it also gives you some time to think about, you know, which direction you'd like to go supplement-wise um, and make sure you have that security moving forward. And Lauren, you've seen firsthand hundreds, maybe even now thousands of times how this planning and working it all together can really help people achieve their retirement vision. Yeah, that's the joy of what it is that we do is all this stuff works together and we get to live people's retirement. We get to live the transition that people make from the pre-retirement years to the retirement years and see how their life changes and how they get to enjoy this freedom of time that they've really never had before. And a lot of the anxiety that is lessened because of the planning that goes into it, whether it's from the Medicare part of it, the Social Security part of it, the tax planning part of it, all of that really lessens their anxiety and really heightens their ability to enjoy their retirement vision. And we've talked about a lot of stuff, but there's more when it comes to Medicare and the mysteries and myths and misconceptions. And here's a resource for you. It's MerkelPlan.com, M-E-R-K-L-E, Plan.com. There's a workshop there, an online workshop. You can check it out for a limited time. So go there now if you want to get access to that workshop and more information on this important healthcare decision. We'll keep talking about the important decisions that get you to and through retirement on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. I wish I knew what the letter person S was, but for my purposes today, it's a superhero. <laughs> going back to the alphabet letters. Yeah, I'm going back to the 80s. And I'm saying if you were not a child of the 80s, you could be listening and had children of the 80s. And it's a throwback. Go back, search the letter people. You'll have fun uh, going back to that time in my childhood. Now in kin So we had letter people in kindergarten. Now in kindergarten, oh, they're not messing around with letter people. They're reading. You know, oh, kindergartners yeah. now, I, I was shocked when my first child went through kindergarten. They were reading actual words. I remember napping in kindergarten. <laughs> it was a half day in Iowa back then, too. We didn't mess around with a full day of school. Yeah, that's what I remember about kindergarten. It was half day, and I remember the letters. And as Jace was going through kindergarten, she already knew the she knew the alphabet at three. They're so much smarter than we are. I know, and I was like, wow, we were so far behind. <laughs> Compared to where kids are today. So we'll just talk about the letter people, but kindergartners now, they're not messing around with that. They're reading. No. Yeah. Okay. Now the letter, this leads into A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. 